0: You're a student. You're dismissed. We got some twenty-five-dollar seats right up here on the front. Anybody wants to benefit from those? Hello. That was great music. Eh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Julia. Thank you for being here and adding so much to the group. Uh, bless you, Christopher. That was great. Yep. I mean, it's great. Thank you. Is this? Oh, okay. I thought maybe I was supposed to use that as an illustration. Um, hmm. Glad y'all could be with us today. Welcome to Christ Community Church. I greet you in the name of my Savior, and I'm happy, really happy that you could be with us. Um, Before I forget it, I'm holding in my hand a little Ziploc bag full of little treats uh, that someone uh, that was homeless would really appreciate. And so there's a whole uh, container full of these back in the back. And if you'd like to attend to the service, go get one or two and put them in your car down in between your seats. And when you come up to the intersection and you see somebody standing there, um, give one of them to him. Just say, Lord bless you. Um, my grandson loves to do it. And so when we pull up, if he, I don't have to ask. He'll say, laugh, laugh, give me one of those. And he'll hand it to him. He loves doing it and... That's a good thing, and so anyway, if you would like to, they're back in the back. Jason and Savannah put those together for us every week, and uh, I hope you'll get a couple and, and use them this week to bless somebody. Hello. Hello. Um, happy that you're here. Nice to be M- here. Most of y'all don't know, but the last... Hello, Natalie. Hello. <laughs> uh, Most of you might not know, unless you have children, little ones or big ones, Uh, you would know, but the last couple of weeks, we've had some, God has really blessed C3. We've had some home runs uh, the last few weeks. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, Weldon took our teenagers to, uh, to Don and Kathy Johnson's cabin over at Heber Springs for a few days, and it just... Couldn't have gone better. It was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, few days uh, for them. And the Lord worked in their lives and and spoke into their lives. And that was a good thing. And then yesterday, uh, Morgan and Hannah uh, uh, had a a one-day VBS deal at Chris and Megan's house. And uh, that went great. And uh, I went out and... Got to be with the kids for a little while, and uh, it was just it was just a... Did you slide down the water slide? No. Well, you should have. Only if Teddy makes me. Oh, okay. I don't do that unless my grandson makes me. Um, but it was just a good day watching our children laugh and play and sing songs and learn Bible stories and um, eat pizza. That was cheese pizza. That's what they all told me. I want cheese cheese pizza. And so they had cheese pizza, praise the Lord. we were just a couple of good uh ministry opportunities that the the education the, uh, staff of our church put together and provided and pulled off and they had the blessings of the Lord upon it. So I just wanted y'all to know and just express my gratitude to all of them for that. Um I was thinking about two verses this week. that say almost the exact same thing. Paul says in one of his epistles, it is of no trouble to me to remind you of what is important. It is no trouble to me to remind you of what is important. And then dang it, Peter doesn't say almost the exact same thing in one of his epistles. He says that it is my job as an apostle to stir up in your hearts what is important. I think reminding and stirring up things that are important sort of the same thing. Would you agree with that? I would. And so today... There's not a person that's going to walk out of this room going, wow, I didn't know that. That is new information for me. But I hope that you and I will walk out of here today being reminded and, God willing, stirred up about something that is important uh, in the heart and the mind of God. Um, Brenda mentioned, and I've mentioned the last four or five weeks, Um, if you've been coming at all the last four or five weeks, you've heard us talk about this project that our church, Christ Community Church, is involved in. In the Orange Mound area, we have three ladies that uh, own their own homes. They have been homes that have been in their families for generations, but they're homes that these ladies have not been able to maintain and so, they've fallen into, when I say disrepair, I mean bad disrepair. And uh, I, I had this brilliant idea of raising a little money and uh, going to some friends of mine and raising some money and, you know, spending, I won't get into the dollars amount, but, well, yeah, well, I just thought we'd spend about 10 grand on each of the homes. And so I raised that. Well... What I didn't realize uh, until we got into the work, uh, what disrepair really was going on the, the subflooring and the rafters and the windows and the doors and the roofs and the, the pipes under the houses and uh, uh, anyway, and it turned into a, a much to our fi- precious, precious, precious finance committee. it turned into a much bigger project than I ever envisioned and you as a church whether you know it or not uh the the finance committee and the leadership team of our church I went to them and appealed to them for some extra finances and I went and beat the bushes and got some more friends to chip in and uh anyway we have enough money but it turned into a much 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 bigger project uh but the, all three of the houses are now re, in really great shape. They're just, and, and if you're going to be involved in our project next week, you'll see uh, they're in really great shape. What they, The only thing they like now is they need to be painted on the inside, and then they need to be cleaned, just a thorough cleaning. And so this coming Wednesday, in a few days, uh, about 60 of our church family are uh, pro- committed. They've committed to me. They've signed up uh, to be involved. We have three teams. Uh, actually, we have four teams. The fourth team is our youth group that's going to go and do all that. It's going to make the yards look pretty for the three houses. And but then we've got three adult teams that have, people have signed up. Uh, and if you, if you, uh, anyway, you know if you're on one of the teams and you've been contacted and and. Uh, uh, one team will go to Esther's house, one team will go to Lisa's house, and one team will go to Sherry's house, not this Sherry, another Sherry. And uh, on Wednesday, we will paint the houses on the inside, ceilings, walls, windows, it, cabinets. If it needs painting, we're going to paint it. And then on Thursday, we're just going to clean the houses from top to bottom. And uh, it's a it's a good project, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you uh, For your involvement, uh, your prayers, your uh, uh, financial contributions. People in our church donated, it's amazing, uh, donated appliances. Uh, People in our church, I needed a dumpster. There's a dude in our church. I don't know if he's here today or not. Uh, But anyways, dude that has dumpsters. I needed a dumpster. Uh, I needed some sinks and faucets and uh, uh, shower heads and all that kind of uh, garbage disposal. I needed that. There's a lady in our church who has a company that does that. And so, anyway, I forgot all the other things. Uh, oh, I, I, I need, I've got 60 people that are going to be hungry both days. I needed 120 lunches. I have the, the wives of the worship team. Um, They're going to make 60 lunches for all 60 people on Wednesday and another 60 lunches for all the people on Thursday. Uh, Jason and Savannah are going to be making sure that everybody's got cold water, uh, ice chest full of cold water Wednesday and Thursday. So I just wanted you all to know that there's a a large group of people from our church that are going to invest in the lives of these three ladies on Wednesday and Thursday. And I just wanted to declare... Uh, my gratitude uh, for that. So it begs the question, it's a real question, it's not a rhetorical question. Why would C3 get involved in that? Why would we, there's, you know, there's government agencies and local agencies and civic organizations. Why would a church like Christ Community Church, why would we Get involved and we do something like this, not quite this big yet before, uh, but but every year we go to Juarez and build houses or we do something every year to invest in the in the lives of people that are in need real need and uh, why, why would we would a church like our church do that? why is that important? I think that's an important question that's worth answering and so that's what I want us to to answer today and the answer Just to be honest with you, really goes back to the beginning of the Bible, to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And if you've read Genesis, you know that Genesis is divided into two sections. The first 11 chapters, or really the first 10 chapters, and then the uh, uh, 12 through 50. That's the second section. And it's connected by chapter chapter 11. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but I'll just say this. At the first 10 chapters, you know the story. Uh, it's, it tells us how everything came to be. In the beginning, God created everything. And then he created a couple, Adam and Eve, put them in this, created this garden, put them in this garden. And he said to them, I want to bless you and take care of you and I'm gonna put you in charge of everything that I've created you know that didn't go well Adam and Eve came to a place where they decided that God wasn't trustworthy I can't depend on him to take care of me yes he's done all this good stuff But if I'm going to be taken care of, I've got to do it. I'm responsible for me. And so they told God, in a manner of speaking, no thanks. We'll do this on our own and we'll do it our way. We know better. As a result, sin came crashing into their lives and into God's creation. And... um, uh, the rest of the, those ten chapters are really nothing than a, a narrative of mankind's brokenness and badness spiraling downward out of control. And it ends in chapter nine and ten with the Tower of Babel and just not just one couple saying, God, no, <laughs> all of humanity. Tells God, no. No. We'll do it our way. If we're going to be taken care of, we're going to have to do it ourselves. You're not trustworthy. And then in chapter 11, you've got this genealogy. All of a sudden, you just, boom. There's this genealogy of humanity. And it starts big, and it narrows down and narrows down and narrows down. To where you get to the end of chapter 11 of Genesis. And it ends with one family. A little couple called Abraham and Sarah. And then, you start Genesis chapter 12 through through chapter 50. And that's the story or the narrative of the life of this family. Now when you you come to this family, Abraham and Sarah, you think, Aha! They're going to get it right. First, Adam and Eve, they didn't get it right. God committed His blessings, His provision, His love to them. And they said, we can't trust you. We'll do it ourselves. So this couple, this is the new Adam and Eve. They'll get it right. Nope. You think they're going to be wonderful and full of faith and full of obedience and full of godliness and live for the Lord. But what basically happens is uh, what the Bible reveals is that Abraham and Sarah and their descendants, they're just as broken, they're just as selfish, they're just as faithless as the rest. Of humanity, you got Abraham. Every time he gets scared, he throws his wife under the bus. Oh, I'm, I feel threatened. You, you stand out there and take the take the bullet for me, honey. You know any men like that? Hey, Sarah, I I want something. I want a baby. Could you? Hey. I think you're usable. I'll use you to gain my goals. And then when, I'm, when when we're done, I'll throw you aside like a bag of trash. You know anybody like that? You got Isaac and Rebecca? Deceiving, tricking, doing stuff behind each other's back to, to gain their own plans and goals. You know anybody like that? The point is that the family of Abraham is just as broken, just as dysfunctional as the rest of humanity. This family is unique, undeniable. But they're not unique because of their faithfulness. They're not unique because of their obedience. They're not, faith, they're not unique because of their Goodness. What makes them unique, what makes Abraham and Sarah and their family unique, is that there comes a moment in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to get you to read that, why don't you? Genesis 12? Genesis 12, the first three verses, please. But there comes a moment in Genesis chapter 12 where God says to Abraham, out of all the peoples on the planet, I choose you. I choose you. You bring nothing to the table. You're as screwed up and broken and selfish and untrusting and unfaithful as everybody else on the planet. But in my sovereign goodness, I choose you and I am going to make a covenant with you. And would you read verses one through three, please? Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram,
1: Leave your native country, your relatives, and your fa- father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you.
0: I will make you a ble- I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to make you a blessing To all the families on the earth. That's the covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah. That's what makes Abraham and Sarah unique. Not their goodness. Not their faithfulness. Not their obedience. They were as screwed up as everybody else. As screwed up as me and you. What made them unique is that God entered into a covenant with them. And the covenant was basically this. I choose you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take care of you if you'll just trust me. And the second part of the covenant is as the recipients of all those blessings, I want you to share that love, share those blessings, share all of that abundance with the rest of the peoples on the earth you would think that family would stand out to their neighbors, their extended family members, their co-workers, their, the nearby shepherds, and the cattlemen, and the tent makers, and the, whoever, the people that make the candles, and the cheese. and who, You would think that everybody, when they thought of Abraham and Sarah, they would, they would go, ah, that's the couple. That's the couple that trust in God to take care of them. And that's the couple who are passionate about sharing God's blessings with everybody else. But that's not what they're known for. That's not what they have the reputation for. What stands out as you read the narrative of Genesis 12 through 50 is, that is a family family who does not trust God. That is a family who, who has made the decision if we're gonna be blessed, we're gonna do it ourselves. And when we're blessed, we're gonna spend that blessing on us. You never see Abraham, you never see Isaac, you never see Jacob, you, Well, let's just stop with those three. You never see... There's not a verse in the Bible that indicates that they ever understood that when they were blessed, and my goodness how they were blessed, that they were supposed to share those blessings with the peoples of the earth, those that were in need. What stands out is not their... Abandon trust in God's promise to bless them. What stands out is not their passion to share those blessings with others that are in need of blessing. What stands out is that they are convinced if they're going to be blessed, they've they've got to bless themselves. Abraham and Sarah, if we're going to have a baby, we've got to do it. Jacob and Laban, Jacob was convinced and Laban was convinced, if I'm going to be blessed, I've got to bless myself and I've got to keep you from taking my blessings. And you never, you never see uh, Jacob's uh, uh, 10 or 11 sons The first generation. well, anyway, most of his sons, I'll say it that way, um, they never got it. They never got it. They never got that they were a part of a covenant family that was going to be blessed no matter what other people did. And you never see them committed to pouring those blessings or sharing those blessings with other people. I'm trying to. Re- I want to remind you today that God's plans for His people they haven't changed. Hebrews, what is it, thirteen? It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Is that what it says? Mm-hmm. No, God's plans hadn't changed for us. God's plans haven't changed for His people. The unselfish. I mean, I'm sorry. The the Inability or the unwillingness to trust God's promise to bless us and our, our unwillingness to seriously share those blessings with everyone else. That which you see in the lives of Abraham and Sarah and their descendants, nothing's different, nothing's changed. God's people haven't improved. They they still don't get it. We don't get it. We still live in terror when we turn on the news every morning and the stock market era is red and pointing down. We are terrified that God is not going to take care of us. And when we are blessed, where's the passion to pour those blessings? Into other people. I'm not speaking to you or against you. I'm confessing my own tragic lack of trust in God's promise to bless me and my tragic selfishness to pour the majority of God's blessings into me and mine. The message, Brenda... Declared it to us earlier, the message of Genesis, the message of the Old Testament, the message of the Bible is that God has entered into a covenant relationship with His people. Abraham and Sarah, King uh, uh, Moses, David, Ruth, Esther, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, uh, in all the New Testament family. And it's gone to this very day. When I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I have entered into a covenant relationship with the God of the Bible. And that covenant relationship that God has entered into with me declares, I will bless you and I want you to share those blessings with others. You see that, those of you that are reading through the Bible with me. and We've just gotten through with Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. My goodness. That's not the funnest, easiest part of the reading journey, is it? For those of you that are doing it with me. But you can't read Isaiah. You can't read Jeremiah. You can't read Ezekiel. And not see, not be reminded, not be convinced that God is. Tells his people in the Old Testament. Over and over and over again. I'm going to bless you. I promise I will. I'm good for it. But I want you to use those blessings. To be a source of blessings. To those that are in need. I want to make you a have. But then I want you to share the blessings of being a have. With those that have not. And then when you get to the New Testament, you see the life of Jesus and you see the life of the apostles that knew and followed Jesus firsthand. And what you see is not a new message, new message, new plan. No, no, no. It's the same message, the same plan. God says through Jesus and God says through Paul and Peter, I want. Jesus has come to bless you. And I want you to share those blessings with those that are not operating in a place of blessing. And I don't just mean, when I say blessings, you understand, I'm not just talking about dollar bills. I'm talking about words of blessing, faces of blessing, hugs of blessing, time of blessing, forgiveness blessing. Compassion blessing. I'm not, I'm not talking about any one narrow slot. I'm just saying that this principle, that every, how has God blessed you and me? Well, there's thousands of ways, right? That's the same thousand ways that God wants me to pour out His blessings on those that are not experiencing those blessings. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like. My wife was on the phone the other night might have been somebody in this room I can't remember but somebody called you and they have a friend who's got a little child that that doesn't should know how to read but doesn't oh, know okay. how to read yeah and what
1: well, tell, tell well me. there's this friend of mine uh, wanted to know like what would one do if there's a, I think a child's about nine years old and didn't know how to read and did I know a tutor and or did I know what fees were for tutors and that kind of thing? And, and that was it. But um, just somehow she had come in contact with someone who knew a child who was nine years old and wasn't reading. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it, it had to do with lack of education. It wasn't a, a, a mental disability. And, um, and she wanted to, to take care of it. She wanted to do something about it. That's mm-hmm. all I know. Uh, I don't know what happened except for I know my friend. And she's kind of a bulldog. So my bet is that she got things, tried to make things better.
0: She tried, somebody had blessed her with an education. Yes. With the ability to read and write. Somebody had committed that blessing into her life and she felt the ownership, the responsibility to then pass that blessing on to, to a child that no one had taught.
1: And to your point of the sermon today, I think it's an important uh, point, that she didn't, she didn't go out looking for it. Now, that's good too. But that's great. But it just came, the, the knowledge just came in her path.
0: As she went through her day. As she day, went through
1: her day, and she said, oh, I can do something about that.
0: I say again that when you get to the New Testament you might think, oh, that's a new day, that's a new deal, that's a new covenant, that's a new message. No, no, nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is that Jesus and the apostles have the same message, they just expand it, they clarify it, they multiply it. Jesus says in Matthew 10, proclaim this message, God's kingdom is here. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the unclean, set people free that are captives. Freely you have received, so freely you must give. God has poured His blessings into us. So now it's your job and my job to pour those blessings into others. Jesus said in Luke 12, To whom much is given, much is required. And Paul said in Acts 20, I love this, he said, I have worked hard my entire life helping the poor as a way of reminding you of Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Is that what we're known for? I know you guys. Most of you I know better than I want to know you. Is that what we're known for? Oh, I'm known for, teaching, for making sure my kids have a great camp to go to. I'm known for making sure that my kids go to the best swimming lessons, the best schools, wear the best clothes, go to the best events. I, oh, I have a, the best vacations. We have reputations for what we're known for. Paul said, I have worked hard my entire life Helping the poor. So that you would know, you would remember what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then Paul said it this way in Second Corinthians 9. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all ways, at all times, you will abound in all good works. For it is written in the Old Testament, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Then a little later in the same verse it says, God will enrich you in every way so that you can be generous to everyone on all occasions. (laughs) Guys, I'm not... Trying to put guilt on anybody here. Y'all, y'all are doing. This week our church is going to do the very thing we're talking about. I just want us to understand why. This is, this is the calling of God for our lives. This is not extra. Woo! I'm, I'm doing something extra for God. It's the extra that's wrong. We're doing what God's called us to do. We're doing that which is the fulfillment of the covenant that God entered into with us. I want to bless you, so that you then can be a blessing to the nations, to those that are in need. Did you want? To? Well, I just read this just this
1: morning from a book uh, by Henry Nowen that I think is appropriate. Um, he's asking us to think about Jesus, and when it comes to you're talking, today we're talking about, and this week we're talking about helping the poor. And that's a good thing. And Jesus talks about that. Um, but, and so this is a little bit more about attitude, I think. But he says this, Jesus came among us as an equal, a brother. He broke down the pyramid structures of relationships between God and people, as well as those among people and people, and offered a new model. And this is what I think is cool. The circle, where God lives in full solidarity with the people, and the people with one another. Mm. I think it's interesting to think about that. What he offers as a pyramid structure. Okay, well, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. It's in the New Testament. Help. That's everywhere. Help the poor. Help the poor. But we, I, I am a, a privilege, and so I will give down mm. to help the poor.
0: Mm
1: is an attitude, whereas mm. this offers the idea, oh, no, 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 we're a circle. Mm. And today you need something, and tomorrow I'll need something, and right now these ladies in Orange Mound need something. And so we will we give within the circle, whether that means money or whether that means Just time at- or effort. Attitudes and yeah.
0: values that, that those three Encouragement. can share with us things they've learned in their journey with God. That I need Absolutely, to yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. In my 42 years or 43 years of knowing and walking with the Lord and studying the Bible, I have come to discover that very often, and I'm starting with me, those of us that know and study and love the Bible the most, can be the most guilty of putting over emphasis on secondary things in the Bible to the neglect of primary things in the Bible. Those that love the Bible and study the Bible and know the Bible best, if they're not careful, if we're not careful, if I'm not careful... I can get so focused on B-team issues. How many days, how long did it take God to create the world? Was it six days or six billion years? That's a big deal, that's a big deal, that's a big deal. Or was the flood a, a, a regional flood or a global flood? Which translation of the Bible should you use? What about women in the church? What about divorce? What about spiritual gifts? Oh, what about the Lord? How, How should you take the Lord's Supper? How should you baptize? I'm not saying those things don't have value. But I can tell you this. You read the Bible from beginning to end, not one of those issues is an 18 issue. Not one of those issues takes up that much space, that much ink in comparison to certain issues, and I think that includes the one that, I meant, that we're talking about today. God says repeatedly, those of you that are haves, you need to take care of the have-nots. I made a covenant with you to bless you. Have I failed? Raise your hand. God is saying, raise your hand if you've got a complaint with me that I have not blessed you abundantly. Let's all make a line in the complaint department and complain to God about how He's not blessed us. No. Every one of us are blessed abundantly. But that's only half the covenant. The other half is, I want you to be a blessing to others. I want you to be a blessing to others. God didn't just have some leftover, extra surplus, unneeded blessings over in a corner of the heavenly palace and go, eh, I'm not using that right now. Hey, Clarence, uh, the little uh, B-team second-class angel, Get you a bucket full of blessings and take those down to heaven and spread those around. No, 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 no. That's not the way God did it. God said, I want to bless the world. So I'm going to go myself. I'm going to bless the world personally and sacrificially by coming myself and giving of myself in the most... Demanding and sacrificial way. That's the way God chose to bless us. And God asks us to follow His example. Again, I just want to thank you for any participation you have. If nothing else, just investing financially in the life of our church. Because our church is investing in this project. Big time. Uh, by praying, by participating, by contributing things that you've, your businesses have that we needed. Um, thank you. Thank you for your investment in the life of our church. Please go from here today being reminded and hopefully stirred just to remember that you are in a covenant relationship with the God of the Bible. And in that covenant, God has made you a promise. You don't have to fear. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to give you. In fact, that's such an understatement. That's 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 just the beginning. That I'm going to meet your needs. That's just the starting point. You have no idea. I'm going to bless you. But I do ask of us. Share those blessings with others. The haves being a blessing to the have-nots. Let us go and remember that. And embrace that calling with more vigor, More passion. More uh, deliberate. Brenda, are you one talking about being deliberate? you being deliberate? Being deliberate. Not just waiting for the bus to come by. But I go out into my day looking for opportunities to be a blessing to the have-nots. Let it be true in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, friend. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. And I invite you to come. Come to the table of mercy. Receive fresh grace. From the hands, hands scarred, hand, the hands that were scarred. Eat from the bread of salvation. And drink from the blood of the lamb. If you know the Lord Jesus, you've entered into that covenant with Him. I want you to come and eat and drink from that which represents His body and blood. Be reminded, and give thanks. You come.